0: And welcome to the first episode of the fricked up for film podcast. I'm your host uh, James Houghton Brown the creator, the visionary if you do of the podcast um, yeah so this is this is my podcast I've been wanting to do one for a while for a couple of years actually and and now finally I am doing one. I'm doing a podcast. This is it. This is the podcast. Uh, so a little introduction about me, who I am. Uh, if you're listening, you might either be one of my friends, you know who I am, or just some other random person. If you are a random person, welcome. If you are my friend, fuck off. Nah, I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh, yeah, so a little bit about me. I'm 16 years old. I live in Auckland, New Zealand, and I have a passion for film and filmmaking. And as I said before, I've been wanting to do a podcast for for a couple of years now. Um I've been listening to podcasts for like a year and a half and obviously I wanted some way of expressing, you know, my my thoughts and my feelings, <laughs> not my feelings, my emotions, I don't know. Uh but especially through, you know, and about film and filmmaking and you know i've never really thought i'd do the podcast about the film about film and filmmaking um i would i've always thought i'd do that for it through my uh, youtube channel which i am currently trying to work on but am failing quite a lot because i don't upload like at all but i uh i finally come to the decision why i came to the decision like a couple months ago that i would do a podcast for expressing my feelings, thoughts, emotions, uh, of film, and the, the basic, the basic gist of what I wanted to do with expressing my thoughts about film was, um, basically having, having to talk about each experience, you know, I have with watching a new film, especially a classic, most classics that I had not seen seen before, so what I mean is that, like, there's a bunch of classics I haven't seen, bunch of films I haven't seen, and what the gist of what I wanted to do through my YouTube channel was to, you know, talk about, oh, I've never seen this film, I'm going to watch it, i watch it, and then my thoughts. But I came, to, I tried it once with a, uh, the film Psycho th- th- through my YouTube channel, but I, I don't know, I just found it wasn't really working, so I thought about doing it on a podcast format, and mixed in with other uh, film, and a little bit of filmmaking talk as well. So that's what I'm doing now. This is the podcast that uh, that is going to express my first thoughts of watching classics, uh, various film and filmmaking things. So basically, uh, we're going to get into the the gist of the show. What this structure of today's show, or most of the shows, will just this episode, I guess, is first we're going to go through uh, the classic that I watched, and the classic today is 2001, A Space Odyssey, directed by Stanley Kubrick, Yeah, I know, a big a big one to start off with, uh, to be honest, I want to do the podcast recordings uh, more close to the time I actually watched the classic, but for this situation, I, I watched 2001 a couple months ago, and the only reason this one's so far away is because you know i've always wanted to do the episode one for, or for not always but for a couple months i wanted to do the episode one about 2001 and i just you know, have that engraved in my mind that i'd do 2001 for the first episode and that's exactly what i'm going to do so uh, first part of today's episode will be exploring 2001 my first experience watching it when i thought of it and then the second part uh is the filmmaking part of the podcast and basically what i planned with this filmmaking part was that uh, each episode would be you know half film uh talking about the classic and then half talking about uh the filmmaking but i realized there's there's not much to talk about with filmmaking as much as much as as much as there is to talk about you know the films so on various episodes not all episodes just some so episodes i will dedicate some time of the episode to talking about filmmaking and my filmmaking experiences i also just don't want to make it like too much about me and my experiences i don't want to be a, a egotistical you know i don't want to be egocentric whatever the word is anyway yeah so the second part of the podcast will be talking about uh my experience with film, one of, one of my experiences with filmmaking, specifically that of my first time uh, kind of doing the 48-hour film, which I kind of directed, kind of didn't, I'll explain later, just basically what I thought of that and my experiences. And when I say second part, I actually have, it's not only really the, you know, second of two parts, It's it's just the second, you know, section... And then after that, I will, uh, hopefully I actually want to do like a Q&A, but obviously this is the first episode, I have no fans, I'm a nobody, so nobody's gonna want to ask questions, but hopefully if I do get some kind of small following in the near future, we will have some questions. But for now, for the first few episodes, I imagine, or maybe the first 20, who knows, uh, um, I'm just gonna be reviewing other films, but in a quicker, smaller format. And those two films will be, uh, today will be Game Night from this year and Black Klansman from this year. And I might also talk about some other things, but we'll see. Okay, so, uh, let's get into the 2001 A Space Odyssey classic, first time watching classic part of the podcast. A quick message before we get into the review of 2001. Uh, this section of the podcast does contain spoilers for 2001, That uh, when I was recording it I didn't really think about spoilers, or didn't really come across my mind, so uh, for now just be aware that this does contain spoilers, so if you don't care just listen in, but uh, if you haven't seen this movie I really do recommend it, so go check it out and then you can uh, listen to my opinion, but it's up to you. Uh, here's your warning But uh, for the next episode I will sort this out uh, About spoilers Okay, on to the review Okay, so as I said I watched uh, 2001 A couple of months ago I think it was in either April or May I don't know It's my, uh, my understanding of time Is a little a little warped Anyway, so I watched 2001 uh, I've been wanting to watch classics for a while But I always just dismiss them Because I'm like Oh wait, now I want to set up my camera And film a video about it Finally, I, uh, the reason I went, no, I'm going to watch it, was that it was on, it was on, at a, on a big screen format at my uh, local cinema, and, uh, at Matacana Cinema, it's not my local cinema, but where I was staying at the time, it was on at that cinema. So I was like, you know what, screw it. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go see 2001 on the big screen. So I was like, screw it, we're going to go see it. And, well, uh, I went and saw it with my, my father, my dad, um, and I I was just, I really enjoyed it. I really did. Uh, the film, before going into it, it's just one of those films where it, it's very intimidating and, you know, daunting, like, d- daunting, sorry, uh, especially the title, you know, just the, the sheer scale and you know, everything about it, you know. 2001, A Space Odyssey. It's very intimidating. So, I was. Oh, this is a bit pussy ish to say I wasn't intimidated by a, a film title, but, you know, it's just one of the things. I was. But, uh, I really didn't need to be, because, you know, just watched it and it's just, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think, yeah, no, I had actually seen, like, part of it before. I'd seen a part of it like three two three years ago and the part of it we we, we watched the first section in, in some class our teacher was showing us classics it showed us like alien uh this is spinal tap and it was, it was really quite cool and then he's like okay we're gonna show you 2001 space odyssey and he played the first part obviously we watched it in small like half hour periods and, the, and that's the first part was just monkeys climbing around and for a kid my age, especially even kids like the my age now, and especially a couple of years ago, we were just like, what is this? Even then, I actually I did have some understanding of the classic. And I was a little more open-minded than my classmates. So I don't want to brag. I don't want to be that like, I'm ah, so open-minded. Uh, but uh, I was. But I was still just like, oh, what is this? This just looks weird and dumb. And I was, I was dumb. I was dumb to think that, the film was dumb for having, you know, monkeys. But it, it's not even just like kids my age. Most of the general populace, they go into that film, and they see these, you know, these monkeys. They're going to be put off immediately. It's, it's quite strange. But um, yeah. Uh, so you go through the monkey part. You know, it's it's a little hard to enjoy that part. I don't know. It's just something. It's little off putting. It's not what you're used to seeing. But, uh, even that, like, those opening shots, especially in the, the re-release, about, yeah, that's the thing about this, uh, this, I think it was a re-release, and that's why it was in, in the cinema, I, I can't tell if, it wasn't the IMAX one, because it was quite a small cinema, I know there was a recent IMAX one, but it wasn't IMAX one, I think it was the Christopher Nolan, um, I think it was called, D, uh, like, Unmastered, or Demastered, or something. And I'm pretty sure Nolan had something to do with it. It might not be that one, but I'm pretty sure it was that one. And just, I don't know if it was the, uh, the the uh, um, you know, specialization, specialization or the... Oh, it was the de-specialized version. Well, I don't know if it was, you know, Christopher Nolan's remastering of the film visuals or it was just how that wasn't really shot. But even that monkey scene, just beautiful. And that's what I loved most about this film pretty much every shot you know actually yeah pretty much every shot is absolutely beautiful visually stunning everything about this film visually is amazing and actually very surprising considering when it was made that's one of the crazy things about this film when you watch it when I watched it especially uh the visual effects, you know, the costumes and but especially the space stuff. Holy holy shit. That that movie was made in nineteen sixty eight and it looks it looks amazing. It looks better than some of the films like out today. Actually that's not that surprising considering Kubrick director, but it was still surprising. It's amazing how good that film looks. It's crazy. But um, yeah, so I think that's the probably the best thing I took away from that—just the visual experience, everything. Um, I am going to spoil this, by the way. It's not really—I uh, assume most people are listening. It doesn't really matter if it's spoiled too much. If you don't want to spoil, just go and watch it. But um, yeah, uh, so there's just more spoiler warning. Anyway. Uh, Especially, it goes—you know—the monkey scenes, all those desert landscape shots, and and then it goes into the the space, the second kind of part, and going through all the uh, space stuff and the set design, and you know, just actual space, what space looks like, and then at the end, with when he goes travels through, what I presume is, uh, you know, uh, travel through light and time and. I'm not very scientific. That's the other thing, by the way. I haven't actually looked read or many analyses, analysis sorry, of the uh, of the film. But this is just basically what I presumed and what I thought. This is what it's not really a deep level analysis. What I'm going to do, it's more just so what I took away from the film, and what I took away is that that last kind of climax. That's uh, um the character what's his name uh, i think it's i actually can't remember because i haven't seen it for a couple months i think it was either david bowman or frank pool the main astronaut at the end well anyway he i assume that like all those lights and everything that he travels through at the end and then it comes into that room all those visuals all that crazy stuff i assume that's him traveling through you know the light and speed and uh, time or whatever you call it, I, it's time. Like it's kind of going, going back in time. That's that's kind of how I saw it. And I assume other people do. This is not a like I said. There's not a deep level analysis, but when he, when he goes through the visual stuff and then, uh, all those lights and everything, and then he goes into the room, and then you see the the baby, going, towards the moving towards the earth. And I assume, like, that's traveling back in time. Like, that's that's the side of mankind kind of thing. But that was traveling back in time from the future. It's... I assume that's... that's, If you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. And that's just kind of how, always, how I saw it. And that's what I took away from with a conversation with my dad after the film as well. Yeah, but... That's that's kind of how I saw it. So, what was I saying? Yeah. So the visuals, absolutely amazing. Just, it's crazy. Uh, and I I love, like oh, I was talking about the uh, the monkey part. And after you you know first time you watch the monkey part you go what what is this, and then it, it continues on and you realize how the monkey part kind of connected and kind of showed the. You know the beginning of mankind and how it's developed, and and then the, you know, uh, developed into this uh, more futuristic, and the introduction of the machine into man, and the taking over of man from from the machine. The how H A L nine thousand. So it does make sense in context with the whole movie but at first the monkey thing kind of puts you off but I'm glad I kept watching well I wasn't going to leave the cinema just because the monkeys but uh if you're watching I hope like general populace when they watch the film I hope they're not put off by that I presume they might be but you know if if someone's watching and they get put off just let them know don't go put off it gets much better it's understandable the monkey part uh in the future the dawn of mankind it's understandable keep watching just keep watching it and yeah so then it goes into obviously the uh, scientific part and you get introduced to the uh, pilot um i'm going to be i'm going to be honest here i can't remember everything in crystal clear because it was a couple months ago and i can't remember if the pilot characters in like kind of the second part Carry on to the third, but I'm pretty sure they don't. I'm pretty sure they're different. But then you get uh, transported to what is it? I think it's. Uh, let me go into the plot synopsis. A Pam and Space line. And he carries Doctor Hayward Floyd to the huge space station Five orbiting Earth for a layover on his trip to Clavia Space. and that's when he gets. Um, that's the whole sequence of events with the, you know, the, the diplom- diplomacy of the space and all that. I really enjoyed enjoyed seeing all those futuristic concepts. Uh, they're not as futuristic as they would have been, you know. However many years ago, I think it was 1968. So it would have been, you know, probably about, whoa, wow. Actually, it's like that's like fifty, fifty, you know, fifty years ago. Yeah, 50, yeah. It's because of the fifty. Yeah, because this. Oh, this was the fiftieth anniversary. That's right. So it was about uh, fifty kind of years ago. Um. Obviously, all those concepts were very futuristic back then they're much more realistic now especially all the like the food and the the airplane stuff obviously we don't have space stations like big space stations like that that we travel around but they're much more realistic they're still quite quite futuristic um these concepts but i love how they've they back then uh, back then the the predict the, uh, the predictions of those concepts you know they were crazy back then, and now they're they're very much quite realistic. Not as not as like not as much, but they are realistic. So it's it's really crazy how they managed to predict a lot of a lot of stuff in that film. And then obviously uh, the the third oh, kind of yeah third kind of part is the the Discovery One spacecraft. With their uh, two or three astronauts. I think two are awake and two are asleep. With the HAL 9000. And just that, that spaceship. With the 360 kind of running up. When he runs around and all that. Wow. Holy shit. Wow. That was amazing. That was absolutely amazing how they managed to do that. Especially in 1968. How they managed to do... All that, and uh, the I'm going to talk about the HAL 9000. When that came on, I, I kind of I kind of you know recognize it a little bit, and I think because that part of the film has been one of the most you know uh, recognizable th- uh, parts of the film that have been re- reproduced a lot in popular culture, and I think that. I'd seen the How 9000, you know, reproduced in popular culture, and, and things like The Simpsons, I'm pretty sure, I might have seen that been in an episode, and also maybe uh, one of some Disney Channel TV show I watched a few years ago, but I've definitely seen that popular culture, and I recognize that a little bit. And, and because of that, I knew kind of where the story was going, just because it's been reproduced in popular culture so many times. Uh... So then I kind of started to, you know, see the themes of the machine taking over man, Hal 9000, there's the whole news interview with the astronauts and the Hal 9000, that was another uh, memorable scene. And then of course there's the whole sequence of events when Hal 9000, you know, I think it, they he betrayed the astronauts, if I'm right. He uh, turns off the life support function of the crewman in suspended animation. Yeah, he tries to kill one, and I just remember the the dialogue coming from the machine. It's crazy. Uh, my dad was reading an article after we watched the film, and named How Thousand one probably I think it was like one of the best cinematic villains. And you don't think of it as one of your you know typical conventional villains. He's just a robot but he's better than so many more cinematic villains nowadays it's crazy how they're just a little robot with some voice and and a power is so much more intimidating and scary than you know say like some marvel villain i don't know who, who they have now thanos or what was the, the dark elf or whatever any of those kind of things it's just this little robot but in the context of the film he's he's not little he's so much more power of you know over humankind and yeah, and uh, you know he's artificial intelligence and yes that's another thing this this film explores artificial intelligence as well this is this is an amazing film the more I think about it it's just how crazy it is it explores everything just, you know, interesting dialogue and great visuals and great acting by the way I, I not familiar with any of the cast just because um, I wasn't born or didn't grow up around that kind of time period but uh, the I don't know if they were famous or anything but they were great actors Yeah, there was no like bad acting and I'm sure that there was not no bad acting because this is directed by Stanley Kubrick who was very strict with his direction took a long time made sure every take was perfect I think I'm not 100% sure on that but that's that's what I've kind of heard about him and I haven't I haven't talked much about Kubrick yet just because you know everything I'm talking about the film and praising it for it is essentially praising Kubrick I don't really have much to say about Kubrick because I'm not familiar with his style I'm really not I'm going to be honest I think this yeah this is the first film Kubrick film I've ever seen that's right, uh, the first current film I've ever seen, so I'm not familiar with the style, so I can't really analyse or praise his style specifically in this film, but I'm going to praise the film, which was directed by him, so essentially is praising him. And uh, as I've seen, it explores artificial intelligence, uh, and lots of other themes, you know, machine taking over man, the dawn of humankind, you know, space travel, space diplomacy, politics... In a way, with all the, the this there was some politics in the space. Uh, um, lots of you know futuristic concepts and predictions, which some have come true, and I'm sure will come very, very much come true in, in the future years. Um, just expressed through visuals, amazing visuals, amazing acting, amazing dialogue. I am repeating myself a little bit. I'm sorry about that that's gonna hopefully I'm, I'll improve that in future episodes and future recordings but uh, sorry about that for now uh, yeah so it explores lots of things uh, through amazing direction everything I'm trying to think about what else I have to say uh, the music well, the film Of course that's very Very recognisable The opening theme and Especially But uh, that's probably one of the best Soundtracks or scores Whatever you want to call it In movie history And I'm sure it's on a lot of 50 best movie soundtracks Or 50 best scores of history Or 50 best themes of movie history yeah, I'm sure it's on a lot of those ones uh, The opening duh, duh, And even even the first like three minutes of the film when it's no visuals, it's just music and everything like that. There's, there's so many iconic things about this film. And I love how I I love that this is the film we start off with, just because it's so iconic. Starts it off with a real banger, you know? And although I didn't inherently enjoy the film um, as much as I do other films I think you have to consider the context of of the experience and who I am because I'm a, I'm a 16 year old you know born in 2002 I've been raised in the 2000s this movie came out in 1968 I'm nowhere near going to have as much as an amazing experience as say people you know living in 1968 or 70s or even 80s but Especially, I'm nowhere near that. So I'm not going to have the same kind of subjective uh, experience and uh, um, relatability to the film. Because I'm just not, I'm just not raised for when I was, wasn't raised anywhere near that time. And that's going to be the case with a lot of uh, old classics, especially older classics that I watch. Uh, things like sorry things like oh just gonna fix the audio levels up here Uh, there we go things like Citizen Kane and you know this I'm just never gonna have that experience but it's still key in in watching and especially since I want to you know have a career in film or filmmaking and if I want to have a you know big passion I need I need to watch these films and it's not just you know about a need I do I really do it's not just like oh, i can tick it off my list I actually really want to watch these you know I want to see how how this has become one of this most iconic films how this has managed to be such a famous iconic film and one of the greatest films of all time you know or considered to be anyway obviously it's it's not going to be you know one of my favourites because you know I just don't have the same kind of subjective experience but objectively yeah this is this is great this is amazing and you know even though some modern audiences might still not like like this I think it's it's a real testament to see how people still go to the cinema to see this film you know because of this re-release and everything 50 50 years after it's been released and I think I think Ralph the Movie Maker said that on Twitter or something who I'm a very big fan of and yeah it's just a testament to how amazing iconic and great this film is to see that people are going to see this 50 years out of met so if you're still listening and you got it spoiled but you haven't seen this I really recommend this. that you go see this please do it and especially if you have an interest in film and filmmaking I think most people who have a big interest in filmmaking they've probably seen this but if you haven't go see it I don't usually like saying, oh, you know, it's essential, i watching it. But I, I think, I think it is. I think, I don't think really any film is essential. But if you want to be, if you really want to have good knowledge and, you know, develop your film skills a lot, just watch as many films as possible. And that's kind of hypocritical of me to say, because I... I don't, and I need to watch a lot more. I'm really lacking in my film watching skills, but obviously this podcast is going to help me a lot. Since, you know, getting prepared for this podcast a week or two ago, I've already watched, like, two or three classics, which is way more than I have done in, like, the past three months. So it's really good, yeah. So just, you know, go see it. Uh, And, yeah, so after watching this film, I enjoyed it. It was... You know, it's gonna, it's gonna be one of those list things to tick off my list, of course, but also to you know be engraved in my, my knowledge, because you know it's really, really iconic. It's just one of those things that now I have in my head. It's it's gonna help me. Um, in my future, filmmaking, and film viewing endeavors for inspiration or anything. Just the more films you watch the more classics you watch you need to watch them. Oh I just said obviously I just said you don't necessarily like have to watch any film but I, I think just I think you should actually. You should watch the classics. Especially this one. And uh, yeah so after watching this film I, I really want to watch more classics and uh, I have started to but also more uh, Kubrick films, so uh, in future episodes I will hopefully do uh, some Kubricks and I think like ones like The Shining. Never seen that. Uh, Barry Lyndon, of course, never seen that. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut, and uh, Low I'm actually looking forward to seeing that. That sounded wrong because it's kind of kind of pedophilic, but um, yeah. I think one one episode I might want to do a Low Stanley Kubrick versus the Jeremy Irons one from the 90s, I think that'd be interesting because I've never seen both, I've never seen either but both look quite interesting, so uh, yeah, I think in the future, future episodes I will watch some more Kubrick but for now, that's the end of the discussion, not my discussion because it's just with me, just myself, talking to myself I'm a loner uh, no, of uh, 2001 so let's move on to the filmmaking portion this will be a little shorter just because I don't have as much to talk about okay so the filmmaking portion of this podcast uh, specifically I will be talking about my experience with the 48 hour film uh competition or not competition it's the 48 hour film challenge now I did this a a few months ago I think it was in uh eight? no it was in May let me just check uh I did this, and it was eleventh and thirteenth, eleventh to till thirteenth of May, two thousand eighteen. So I did this back in May. Uh, If you don't know what the forty-eight hour film challenge is, it's it's all around the world, but obviously I just did the New Zealand one, the national one. Uh, It's in it's in most countries. It's basically a, a challenge or kind of a film festival with local teams and even some kind of professional teams. And they all get together, and, uh, depending on your area or whatever. Um, they all get together on a uh, Friday, in like early evening Friday. And you have to sign up and everything and organize film making teams and the organizers they give you a a genre it kind of depends on what like like i said it's kind of depends on what country you are but for new zealand anyway uh they give you a genre and then three kind of uh requirements that you need in your film that could be like a line of dialogue like a prop a visual concept things like that uh for us we there was twelve like twelve or fourteen or something like that different genres. We got the genre for uh a f- yeah it was a film that spans over ten years, and the three requirements we got, which I think everybody got, was a shadow, a door being slammed, and a puddle. Oh, and the shadow was either a shadow or a silhouette. Oh, and I forgot to mention that the team I did it with was a team for my school. Uh, yeah, so it was basically uh, uh, my school team, but only people from a year and mostly people I knew and especially my friends. So the team was full, filled with my friends who also uh, are interested in, interested in film. Not, I don't think as much if they're listening, this is going to sound really bad, but uh, they've got a big interest in film, just not as... Not as much as me, but anyway, that's not a that's not a problem at all. It doesn't really matter. Just mentioning it. Uh, yeah, so I had a school team that was in, in May, and we got we got our genre, we got our thing. I and uh, my friend were the ones chosen to go to the cinema. Only two of us plus one of the teachers went to actually go to the cinema. Yeah, the meetup was at the cinema. They're not all at cinemas, but just where the meetup for the beginning of the festival was at a, at a cinema for us. So me, my friend, and uh, a teacher, uh, we went and got the requirements. And the reason that we went was because we just... It was basically first... Who who first went up to the teacher and said, oh, I want to go, was first chosen. And I was, just, like, really keen to go and see how the organisation happens and how the, the film challenge starts. So me and my friend, you know, we're like, let's go. We're gonna go see it, uh, especially because this was—I oh, forgot to mention again. Sorry, this was a our first time. It was all of our first time. Everybody in our team—it uh, was our first time doing the forty-eight hour film challenge. So, and it was mine as well. So, I really wanted, was keen to go. <coughs> sorry, was really keen to see how it would be. You know, so uh, we did that. We went up. It was really like fun, tense kind of situation where they revealed the genre slowly on the on the big screen to the video format. Um, uh, before that, I was you know posting social media getting hyped, like we're gonna make a we're gonna make a freaking film, how yeah, let's do that. Like just you know checking around. that I also messaged a couple of friends like Yo, give me any tips on you know 48 hour, a couple things like that. Then we got the genres. Like I said, we got a film that spans over 10 years and we we're off. So we, but obviously we had to go in our teacher's car and for like a half hour journey back to the school. Uh, and then during that, we messaged, you know, messaged the people back at, at school because the whole filmmaking thing we'd have to do at school, we can't go out of school grounds because of health and safety issues or whatever. So they were waiting back at school. We messaged them all the requirements, and they started like brainstorming. And obviously, I couldn't there. To, I wasn't there to, to help. A little annoying, but um, yeah. So we got back. The the organizers were forty-eight hour. They gave us kind of some cans of V. I think it was yeah, because I was sponsored by V for energy drinks. Uh, I didn't really need those. Exp- personally for me, because I had two, uh, uh traits, I uh, can't, sorry, two, um, of, uh, Red Bull back at home. but, you know, V for everybody else, so I got back, they'd already started writing, and I think somebody asked me, do you guys know what we're, do you know what genres we're doing, at one point I was like, wait, what, I, we were the ones who got this on the first time, but I was like, anyway, whatever, uh, yeah, so then we started brainstorming, lots of brainstorming, then it was restricted down it was kinda of hard with all everyone talking. We kinda of organized a little bit and then we restricted everyone just down to the writers, the 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 pre organized people who were gonna do the writing. Restricted the talking down to them, including me. Uh to talk about it. And then we, you know, made our decisions of the plot. And uh, basically what we decided we'd do was a film about a, a kid who first, <coughs> as I said, it was, it was, I have to spend over 10 years and that would be over three parts. Um, we decided he'd first, it was about a kid who first learned to, you know, first learned about a passion that he really liked. And then we cut to him <coughs> a couple years later and he's doing that passion and then we cut a few years later and we find out that he had failed at achieving success in that passion. But he can still, but at the end, he still, you know, does, doesn't enjoy the passion. He still, he don't, still does it, just doesn't, had, hadn't find hadn't found any success in it. So we, we talked about it. We decided we'd do that. And then we go, and we decided uh, what kind of passion we would do. And I think we settled on dancing, specifically ballet. So we're like, okay, let's do this. Let's go write script about ballet. And yeah, then a few of the people came home came to my house to do writing. We, you know, got some pizzas, uh started doing the writing. Wrote a few, uh, wrote a few scenes. I'll admit, I didn't do much in the first couple of hours of writing just because I was trying to clean up everything because it was my house and my parents went home and I was a little concerned just because, um, I don't know, when I'm my parents at home, I try to organise everything. So I was just walking around. I didn't really do much for the first couple of hours of writing. And they kind of finished the first draft of the script and uh, kind of a few of them went home. A couple of stayed. And me and my friend... Kind of read over the script, and we were like, oh, we can change a little bit. Uh, we ended up rewriting, like, th- the whole kind of script, which is a little selfish, if I I'll admit, it is a little selfish of me to rewrite um, the whole treatment. But there was, you know, there was a few kind of um, issues with the writing I personally had that I had to fix up, and I... Just because you know, I, I I'm a little bit perfectionist and I take control too much, and i admit I need to learn to not and to share the share the um responsibility with other people. But so I stood up till four a.m. for some reason to finish the script, and I I will admit the script, you know, wasn't that great as I found out the next day when the teacher gave a lot of feedback. But um, yeah, so that was the Saturday. Uh, in the morning went to school Teacher gave the script a lot of feedback I was a little taken aback but you know I took it with pride and I was like you know yeah that's right he's completely right about that actually the feedback that he gave anyway so I changed changed it changed the script to the feedback edited it finished it off printed it you know boom let's get right into it and then there were then there were some issues yeah some some really annoying and frustrating issues uh first of all wasn't an issue but um my friend who originally wrote the um first script i i was like yeah so did you read it assuming that he'd read the new one he's like yeah no i i, I kind of wrote it and i was like oh wait uh, uh no i i rewrote a lot of it and this is a little awkward but it was was fine after that like he read it and he's like oh yeah this is this is this is nice this is all good, I'm good with it, because I actually used a lot of his ideas, so it was more of a joint kind of, uh, collaboration that we did with the writing. It wasn't that I just completely distracted all it, um, destroyed all his ideas and created it myself. That would have been really fucking shitty. Uh, no, I ended up just, you know, rewriting some of his stuff. Anyway, after that, you know, as I said, we printed it out, boom, let's go, and then, the school's health and safety department came in, and like, no, you have to fill out all these forms, otherwise you can't do go out and do anything. And that was some bull crap. And I absolutely, really hate health and safety, um, in the school, and even in this country. It's it's kind of ruined, uh, you know, our society in New Zealand a little bit. It's not not ruined our society. Just it's, it's it's a big kind of a frustration, and current society to me uh, our school had a a big kind of I don't know what you call it There's an, uh, an incident in our school and since then off the health and safety department there has been really strict by everything so like I said there was a a puddle we have to have in the film and in the form we said well, oh, we have to do we have to pour out a little bit of water to make a little puddle and we and we said uh, we'd dry it up after that, and that was the form. And apparently there wasn't enough, so we sent. It, so we had to. The teachers had to keep emailing the forms through and back and forth through the teachers, uh, the Health and Safety Department. And you know that was that was really annoying because they just didn't. They wouldn't let us film just because the puddle we didn't write enough about how we'd dry up the puddle or something like that. It's a little hazy in my memory, but. It was... It was really ridiculous. Um... And then we started filming. And... There were... Since we had to film on school... There were limited options as to where... We would go. But luckily... Our film... Uh... Was... uh, Luckily... Where we were allowed to film... Completely suited and, and matched... Um... The... You know, the setting of our film because we were only allowed to film in a couple places at the school and nowhere outside the school and the couple places we were allowed to film was a couple classrooms and the dance studios that's right that was really perfect I'm really um yeah that was that was amazing that we were allowed to film in that dance studio that was like perfect for what we wanted the dance studio you know it's a dance studio and the film's about a dancer training to be a dancer so, we filmed the dance studio. We filmed in, uh, kind of, what was it? Uh, we filmed in one of the classrooms. Uh, we, it was kind of hard with our actors. Originally, we were supposed to just use us as actors, but since it was a film that spans 10 years, we needed characters that looked alike. So, luckily, you know, one of the brothers, uh, one of our friends, uh, one of our friends and one of the brothers of... The, the crew members, you know, they kind of looked alike. so you know they came in. It was kind of hard with the availability with all of them. You know, some of them could come at this time and this time and blah 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 blah, blah. and all that was really quite, quite complicated. We managed to uh, put a couple of our crew members who wanted to, to act in very small roles. so they otherwise they wouldn't actually be doing much. so we managed to you know fit them in into the script into the film. So they got to do some stuff. It was a little annoying with availability that he had to come with that, but it was all about. It was all kind of what I expected, to be honest. You know, people always talk, oh yeah, you you go into filming, you don't realize how many mistakes you miss, but like it's crazy, like it's crazy how just mistakes will always happen. You know, you always have issues and problems with filmmaking. It's crazy, but um. Yeah, you, you learnt. I uh, I kind of heard that a lot before, and evidently, you know, I, yeah, I had some problem lots of problems with this one. But uh, we we got through it. Uh, we did, we definitely got through it, and it's it's all it's all a learning experience, you know. Yeah, you know, we had had the mistakes, but we learnt to get through them. And the mis- and you know it kind of taught me especially this one because this this kind of film was probably one of the biggest not the biggest film kind of film project i worked on you know the biggest crew and i was one of the the leading people i wouldn't call myself the director i was credited as the co-director which i'll talk about later but i i don't think i was actually the director But anyway, i was one of the the top people in the crew uh just because of the, of the most work I, uh, Of the amount of work I do. That's what I mean. Yeah, so anyway, all that uh, happened. We got through it. We filmed until quite late in the night. And like I said, we filmed it in three parts. We got the first two actors. And then we had to get an adult actor. And there was literally no adult actors we could find that looked like them. We ended up just having to use uh, the male teacher, who wasn't an actor... He actually ended up doing very well, uh, but he didn't, and he also didn't look anything like the other two, but we ended up using him. But he was he was really good in the role, so we managed to do all that. We filmed until late Saturday kind of night. It was not that late. It was like 6, 7 o'clock. And then uh, we had actually been editing throughout Saturday as well. It was actually very good with the placement of the you know filming in school like we had an editing room like probably 400 meters away from where we were filming it was great so we would just would film some part and someone would run down with the SD card hand it down to the editors they'd do their thing and then they'd you know we'd have multiple SD cards so we could film and film some more bring their SD card and they could edit it so it was a really uh, efficient and effective kind of process of 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 the um production it was really great i can't imagine all the all the 48 hour film uh, productions are like that because it might be difficult for them to have editing and where they were filming like close together but just how you know our situation it was it was great because we could just you know do everything very efficiently so then we filmed late till saturday night and then Sunday morning, I woke up, I was like, oh crap, we're late, and we're like, actually, no, it's not that actually big of a deal, not everybody came in on Sunday, which was a little disappointing, but it ended up being fine, as we just had to do a couple more bits of filming, and then uh, last touches of editing, the editors of the crew did such an amazing job, we literally couldn't have done anything without them, and I couldn't have made, I couldn't have made the film like good at all without those editors they they were they were great they were absolutely great i, I can't describe how amazing they were i think yeah editors are really kind of underappreciated on the film main side of it and i I definitely underappreciated editors before before then i just took them for granted but they did some amazing stuff on that and really just pulled the film together and you know even helped like the the guys actually doing the filming a lot, because you know they gave us feedback um, on what we improve our filming. It's just have a lot. They were great editors, so we were really lucky. As I said, we none of us had actually worked on a four-hour film, but we worked great as a team. We worked really well. The editors were amazing. Um, two or three cinematographers who were, you know, really helped make some great shots. It was it was a great team effort, and that's why I. I'm a little concerned about kind of, you know, um, bragging off of the world. I was the director of the film. I wasn't actually credited as director. I was directed as co-director. But um, even then, I'm, I'm a little hesitant. I did you know, write a Facebook post. I was to co-director this film. I'm a little, you know... Uh, I'm a little regretful of writing that. I should have just said I helped make this film. Because it was, it was much more of a team effort than just a couple of, of directors. And uh, I really need to learn to kind of stop bragging and being so egotistical. But that's just that's just one of those things in life, you know. You'll my, you'll make some mistakes and learn later. Even a couple months, or even a couple months later, you'll learn. oh, no, don't do that. It's just it's selfish. And I and I have I am learning uh, about that a lot. So yeah, I I really don't like credited much as the. I don't like, you know bragging off of the world, I, yeah, I was co-director, I was just credited as co-director, but it really was team effort, yeah, so then we uh, finished the film, and unfortunately, I did want to go into handing in, because apparently it's quite fun, seeing everybody running in, to hand the USB sticks into the, the final finish race, but the uh, the teachers went instead and, and handed in, so it was disappointing, and, the Wellington uh, meet they had like a live stream, but the Auckland one didn't, uh, unfortunately. I really would have liked to see that hopefully next year or so. We might get to go in and hand the USB stick in, because it would be fun to watch. Uh, everyone hand it in, but unfortunately we didn't get to see that. Teachers went in. That was a kind of one part I was like, oh, I was a little annoyed at. But anyway, yeah, well, they finished the film, uh, handed it in, the teachers was like, "Yeah, we handed them all good," and uh, we. Uh, I went home, and that was kind of the end of the weekend. And then uh, after that, well, basically that weekend, uh, it was an amazing weekend. It really was, and not just because you know my parents were at home. <laughs> and nothing to do with that. It was all just because of the filmmaking and the experience that I had. It was it was amazing, and after that, I was like, I want to do this every single year. For, for the rest of my life probably won't do it for the rest of my life but every single year for you know as long as I keep doing it I'm going to do it every single year I am it was it was one of the best experiences and filmmaking experiences I've ever had uh, yeah so after that I think you know I just went on with my life and then we had an audience screening like a month or two later me and a couple friends went in to go watch watch the film on the big screen and that was really good seeing something that i helped make on the big screen for the first time ever and hopefully the first of of many times that i see something that i helped make on the big screen but that was really cool seeing all that and um they they showed it with like 12 other ones of the of the particular like Heat or whatever, and then after those twelve films, they got everybody in the and just the audience to to vote on their phones. And when I said just the audience, they were like, "Oh, you got five minutes to do it. Here's the code." But actually, what we managed to do was take a picture of the code and post it to our Facebook group. And we got a couple of our, our f- friends to just a couple of our friends to vote. And I think uh, because we. There was two factors that caused us to win that heat. That's right, we won the heat for audience favourite. Not for the judges' favourite, but audience favourite for the heat. Um, of Two factors, I think. We had, like, quite a lot. We had a few people there um, supporting our film. Uh, we had a par- couple parents and a couple of us. And then we also got a couple of other people on the Facebook group to vote. And secondly, we we were the last film to be shown out of the heat. And I think that's just also why, you know, it was left in people's minds. Because that was the last one. that was left in their minds. That was, like, the last one shown before voting. So it was kind of left in their minds and they kind of voted for it. Uh, I will admit we voted for ourselves first and then voted for the other two ones we watched as well. Because you get three votes. So, you know, it was a little selfish, but uh, who... Who out of there didn't vote for their own team? Like, w- w- which people wouldn't vote for their own team? Well, actually, you know, good people. <laughs> people that aren't, you know, selfish. Like, oh well. uh, Yeah, so we won the audience favourite. I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. The more I started to realise, I was like, oh, well, it was just people voting. And we we voted for ourselves. and uh, It was still a good kind of, you know. Recognition for our hard work but it was more I started to realise it wasn't that great but then like a month or so later uh, I heard about the live stream award I didn't actually that they they were live streaming the awards for the Auckland I didn't really watch it because I was busy and then my dad came into the room and he was like he played the he played a video a small part of the live stream and it was just them saying uh, um, the, our, our name our school team and also uh, our, sorry our, t- our team and also the name of the film, which I forgot to mention it was called to whom I aspire It's a little little weird name, but we couldn't really think of any other better name so we just rolled with that uh, so they went uh, to whom without, to whom I aspire and the name of the school team. And then I didn't really know what that meant because it was just I remember reading out the name. I was like, "Oh wait, what does that mean?" They're just reading out the names of everyone who entered. It's like, no, that was the nominees for the best school team, Auckland. I was like, "Yo, really?" I didn't really believe him that much. But then I went up to the website and I looked up, you know, best school team nominees, Auckland. That's that's right. We we were the nominees. One of the nominees, for best school team. And I, I was really excited about that. I mean, it's not that great, but like I, I think it was it was much better than the audience favorite, and much more, you know, recognisable and redeemable, I guess. And it was it was only Auckland, but a nomination for the best school team. But I was really excited, um, purely just because it was the first forty eight hour film we'd ever worked on, the whole team, and yeah, we had won for best school team. And the other thing is we. We were nominated um, over the other school team, the team of our school, of a, a higher uh, year level. So we we're a, a, lower, a lower year level, yet we still were nominated, and they weren't. So that was another cool thing. <laughs> um, it's just some you know school inner school rivalry, r- rivalry. Yeah, so we won though. No, we didn't win what was I saying a nominated uh, or nomina- it's nomination and I would have gone to the the final awards ceremony I want the final it was the Auckland awards ceremony um I would have gone to that to see who were nominated but I I had a concert on that night one of my first concerts ever uh for sticky fingers on that that very night so I I couldn't go because we had booked tickets for that and actually that was really that was ended up being like a really good night but uh You know, we, I had to go to that, so I couldn't go to the audience nomination, Uh, but uh, when I got home, I I looked up who, who won, and uh, it it wasn't us, but that's all good, I was completely fine with that, you know, I didn't actually really expect to win, but it'd be great, it'd be great if we did, but we didn't, Uh, another team, another school team won, and their movie was a Edgar, obviously Edgar Wright inspired film. Oh, and especially Hot Fuzz, which is one of my favourite films. So it was really nice seeing, like a Hot Fuzz-inspired film one. Like, you know, good for them. Uh, you know, uh... So I, I wasn't too fussed. It wasn't, like, a bad film that won at all. Especially, I was, it was pretty good. But, um, you know, slightly disappointed, but, you know, just completely... I was like, you know, it's fine. Get over it. And I got over it. And that was pretty much the end to, um the 48 hour kind of saga a month or two later I uploaded the film on YouTube finally just I screwed it up and, and then I did it on also the 48 hour website and I screwed up the thumbnail for some reason now there's a big white border on the thumbnail just on the 48 hour site for some reason then I, you couldn't go back and edit it without having to email them and I just really just couldn't be stuff. so now the thumbnail is just a big white border on the 48 website. Uh, anyway, I, I, I shared it with my friends, shared it on Facebook and stuff, and uh, this is not going to seem like much to all, m- much to anything. It's not going to seem like much at all, but it, it got like 200 views within like two days, which isn't actually that much at all, but for me, I was like, that's more than I ever thought imaginable, just because I've never shared any of my YouTube videos online before that one and I only really wanted to share that one just because it was was safe to share with you know my social media so that was really cool it was just all in all the whole saga sega I don't know how you say that word sega sega pudding that's really nice that's some really good stuff although I I don't know it's it's not it, it it's good for sometimes I'm getting off topic uh yeah the whole kind of 48 hour thing. it was the whole experience was amazing. the weekend was great I had such a fun time. I learned a lot with filmmaking it's gonna help me uh, definitely with my future filmmaking pursuits and then it was great to see some recognition for our hard work and getting that nomination and the uh, audience favorite heat and also some you know recognition from my peers on social media. Because usually that's like the first time I've really shared um, something I helped make with you know my followers. I never really do that before, but I, I've never really done it before. But I, I did, and that was, was great. So the whole thing was great. I think that's the end to the uh, filmmaking part of the podcast, and we're running at about an hour, which which is which is good. I honestly, I thought well I was planning on. Going for about an hour. I was worried I wouldn't actually get to an hour. I'd run out of content. But I have definitely not run out of content. When I am on already on an hour. Uh, the next. What I'm going to do next. Is I'm going to talk about the recent film. Black Klansman. Or Black KK. K Klansman. Or however you pronounce it. Uh, directed by Spike Lee. Based on the true life story of Ron Stow- Star Wars Ron Starworth. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, like I said previously with the 2001 Space Odyssey review, this Black Klansman review also c- does contain spoilers. It just didn't come across my mind when I was recording it. I will definitely sort this out for the next episode. But for now, be warned, this does contain spoilers. Uh... Uh, that's that's one of the things I wanted to say. I don't really understand the title I do understand how I, I like the plain words or whatever you call it. I like the title It's kind of cool, but I just don't understand why they didn't just call it black Klansman Without the K in the middle because otherwise it's black K Klansman people get confused but then I do understand because some people might not realize Klansman is in reference to the KKK uh but yeah so there's a the title and if you also look at the posters you see those posters especially that one with the the hood, the hood and the the comb. it looks comedic it really does but when you watch the film it's it's definitely not that comedic it does have some small comedy parts but it's quite it's quite dramatic ah uh, yeah so i watched this film like a week or two ago i watched it I was going to go see it in the cinema anyway, but it turned out we were going to go see it for our, uh, thing, that this thing we call Film Society, it's basically a co-curricular activity for our school, where some of us from, you know, our school, we go into a cinema with a bunch of other people from other schools, and we watch a film every, every week, and this is one of the films we watched, I was going to go see it anyway, but, you know, we ended up seeing it, and, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it, I did. It's, it's a good film. It's not great. This is my first Spike Lee film I've ever seen. I don't agree... I don't, when I say I don't agree, I mean I don't like a lot of his uh, you know, creative choices, especially with editing. I'll get into that soon. But I still enjoyed it. I really did. A lot of the, the scenes were great. I love the performances. Um, notably, John David Washington... Uh, Adam Driver Laura Harrier who's from Spider Homecoming and interesting fact about her she's actually 28 whereas she plays like a 16 or 17 year old in Spider Homecoming when I found out she's 28 I was really surprised she's really good in this film Uh, some other people Jasper Peu Conan there's a couple I don't know and then there's Topher Grace who. I love he's great um, I'm a fan of that 70's show so when I found out he was in this film and playing David Duke I was hyped to see Eric Foreman <laughs> uh, play you know David Duke and he was great I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed the main guy uh, John David Washington I hope to see him in in some future films because he hasn't been in that much so after this I hope he's in a few more because he's, he's quite charismatic and likeable um Yeah, so... I don't want to get too much into the politics of this film. Uh, it's got some funny parts to it. It's a little messy with the structure and the pacing. Uh But, all in all, it leads to a really good climax. I'm not talking about the end, the very end, but the climax of the film. Um... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it, but it really ends to a great uh, actually I, I am gonna spoil it. It ends to a great climax with the the fat wife of one of the KaA members and she puts it into the mailbox and the cops come and arrest uh, Ron Starworth and all that and that was some that was a really great climax and I love that and then and I think the film. And then after that, the film goes into the scene where the they they set up the racist cop, and it's all it's all a happy ending. After that, they set them up; they all record him and they record him doing some racist stuff towards Ron Stalworth. and then they fire him and like ah yeah fired, and all that. And that felt a little offbeat, uh, just because it was like ah oh, it's a happy ending now yeah blah it's great. I found a little offbeat. And so did the start... As well This is I know this is a bad reference... Bad kind of time to talk about it... But the start with Alec Baldwin... I felt that really unnecessary... I don't know why that was there... But all like... Talking and if there was a clip of... Some old kind of movie... Or something... And yeah... Alec Baldwin talking now... All that was quite a... Kind of unnecessary... And also the introduction to the the character on stalworth the first thing we see him in is just going to the police station immediately and we don't get any other introduction i think there should have been some more introduction to his character before that but they didn't so that's another criticism i've got anyway back to the ending there's that scene and then it cuts to black you think it's finished kind of thing or it, it kind of finished a little abruptly and then you see some footage of Charlottesville and Trump. And that's, that's the point in the film that kind of dropped in quality a little bit for me. First I was like, oh wow, this is, this is confronting. This is very blatant. But it's confronting. And then, of course, I showed Trump and the, the flag turning down. And going black and white, I think. Then I think that's the end of the film. Uh, all that I found to be confront confronting, but it got its point across. But also in saying that, the way it got its point across was was very kind of unsubtle. It was the most blatant and kind of you know what's the word? It's it was a very cheap way of connecting the film to modern day society, and I don't think that was very necessary. I think it definitely served its purpose, you know, confronting, uh, you know, this stuff is still happening today. Got the point across, but I think Spike Lee could have found another way to to end the film and and get the point across. But uh, yeah, and I also found the flag turning down and everything. I do agree. I, sorry, I do agree with the kind of points that he made. That like, yeah, it's still happening today. You know, this is this is like accurate today and relatable today in modern society. All that, but I just found the way he kind of delivered that point was a little cheap. And and the flag turning down and going black and white, I found that to be a little over dramatic and just cheesy. And I didn't really like that ending all that much. Uh, the one last kind of thing I want to talk about uh, the film is the editing like I said I had never really seen a Spike Lee film before until this so I wasn't familiar with his editing style but I can safely say that my personal taste I do not like it I really hated how uh, there'd be the characters would be talking and then some image would just come pan onto the screen or whatever you call it just come out of nowhere onto the screen, some like really out of place image of the, the poster or that they were referencing, the characters were referencing, uh, just came onto the screen. And I was like, whoa, that's that's weird and abrupt and really distracting, and I do not like that. And it kept happening, kept happening and I hate that. And to be honest, after this film, it doesn't really make me want to go watch all of our speak, Spike Lee's other films, uh, ...especially since uh, I talked to someone on Facebook... ...some Facebook film group... ...and he said, oh, that's Spike Lee's kind of editing style... ...his unique style... ...good for him, at least he's got a unique style... ...but it doesn't fit my personal tastes... ...so I'm just going to avoid his films for now... ...I'm not going to... ...when I say avoid... ...I'm not going to go actually seeking more of his films... ...there's that editing, the choice... ...and there's also one scene that I found really kind of weird... Where it's edited in a way that it kind of kind of seems like one of the racists is about to find out that uh, Ron Stalworth uh, is is not the same person as Adam Driver's character. It's edited in a way where the racist is <coughs> on the phone with Ron Stalworth, and then. You also see Adam Driver's character walking down to the guy on the phone, uh, the guy on the phone's place. So you think, oh no, wait, he's going to find out that that's the same person because how could he be talking to him and seeing him at the same time? They're not, they're, they're not the same people. They're going to find out. Turns out that it had nothing to do with it at all, and that was just two scenes edited together in completely different time, like times it was so weird It's really weird and kind of distracting and when you just see those kind of weird editing choices yeah it might be like oh that's kind of interesting but it just takes you out of the film because you're like wait that's just edited not kind of realistically or you know it takes you out of the film because like what, why would they think to make that editing choice it's dumb so parts like that and the post and the images coming on just those two uh, those two editing choices just take me out of the film and it kind of makes the 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 film you know less great I don't know what you call it it, it takes you out the film and just makes it a little worse so yeah that's the review of Black Clansman. I I would actually recommend this um I'd rather you see this than like some blockbuster in the in the cinema. Uh, don't don't go out of your way to see it, but you know if if you want to, feel free. Uh, the next the next part of the podcast is the review of Game Night. Now this film I decided to talk about uh, this film. This is this came out February or so February March of twenty eighteen. It's a mystery crime film directed by John Francis Daly, the kid from uh Freaks and Geeks, which is a good show, I like that. And Jonathan Goldstein. And they they wrote Spider Man Homecoming and directed the vacation film. That's right. I didn't really like the vacation film thought it was pretty bad uh, I really enjoyed the S- Spider-Man homecoming uh, film so, and especially obviously the, the script as well so I saw they're directing this and I was like this is pretty good Vacation wasn't great but I'm still excited because I, I like them they seem like cool guys so I'm excited for this and I like uh, Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams especially their growth. both great actors and I was like yeah, you know look, it looks kind of cool but then i just didn't think about it at all for the next few months, I just, it wasn't on my mind it came to cinemas and I just didn't see it just because it looks a little little ge- little generic <coughs> but I, I do remember after having seen it, I do remember people talking about it saying oh this is, this is actually quite good, you should go see it on like Facebook groups and things like that I'm a part of a couple of Facebook film groups, that's why I hear people talking, that's the only real discussion I get with film buffs one sec oh, that's better. Uh, yeah so I I didn't see it but I, uh, I'm a little concerned to admit this well not really but I did watch it on the plane on my holiday to Indonesia Bali Indonesia oh, sorry for the flex but uh yeah so I did watch it on the airplane and you know a lot of people they you know they Discredit uh, watching films on airplanes. No, that's not. You're just disrespecting the filmmakers if you're going to watch it on that little small screen on an airplane. But actually, I see it as really good because airplanes, uh, what, what you know, watching films on airplanes, in-flight entertainment, they actually provide a really good opportunity, you know, to watch films. And it's, well, especially for me, because I just I'm busy a lot of the time and uh, I just don't get around to watching films. But when you're stuck there, sitting down. You know, on an airplane, you've got nothing to do. It really provides a good opportunity to watch some of those films you want to see. And you know, I, I looked through all the ones, I'm like, oh, I really want to see that. I really want to see that. That's great. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so I think it provides a really good opportunity. And especially, you know, for this film, Game Night. I did watch this on the airplane. I uh, I watched it on the first kind of flight over to Bali. Well, when I say I watched it, I watched the first... 15 or 20 minutes and those first 15 20 minutes I was like this is really enjoyable I'm really enjoying this and then obviously the plane touched down and we had to leave uh on the flight back to Auckland I was like that was the first film I watched I finished it you know I finished the finished it because I'd only watched the 20 minutes so I watched it from the start again and then watched it all the way through and man it's it's you know, obviously, it's not great. You wouldn't expect anything like that to be great or like really good, but it's it's actually pretty good and really enjoyable. And I would recommend it for like a, a light-hearted kind of comedy film. Definitely, it's not laugh out loud. You know, rolling on the floor ruffle, if you if you if you know what that is, uh, ruffle laughing. Oh, that's a little cringe, but you know, it's nothing like that. But um, there's there's a few giggles here and there. And it's visually and aesthetically pretty pleasing, which is quite surprising for films like this. I, you don't really see that a lot. A lot of comedy films nowadays, especially American comedy films, the visuals are really, really lacking. But this one, no. Um, when I say the visuals, I, the visuals don't help to you know, you know, alleviate or you know, create comedy. And the visuals themselves, but they do provide another sense of uh, another layer to the entertainment. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of things out these the visuals in this film that I really enjoyed. Um, I had someone before I watched the film. I had someone talking about the the way they kind of shoot the cars going the going through streets and stuff um, to make it look like game pieces. So when I was watching, I was really looking out for that, and then. One of the shots came in, and I'm like, "Wow, wow! They do. They actually managed to do that. It's crazy." Once you see that shot in the f- in like first I don't know twenty minutes or so, um, like you see a car going through a street, and it actually looks like a game piece, and I'm like, "Wow! How do they manage to achieve that? That is crazy." And then you know that's mixed in with a lot of funny, reddened scenes. And when I search it up after I surprised to see that the film wasn't actually written by John Francis and John Goldstein, which I was surprised by, because they are screenwriters, especially uh, Spider-Man, and especially because the, you know, the film was pretty funny. They didn't actually write it. Someone else wrote it, Mark Perez, I'm clicking on now, and he wrote uh, Herbie, fully loaded. Yeah, that's that's why. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't think he's written much else. That's really good, because I think the screenplay was it was quite enjoyable and the screenplay and the direction both really enjoyable. But um, yeah, so the the f- scenes were finally written and finally acted. Uh, Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, great, great actors and Jesse Plemons as Gary was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he, was, he was a great uh, comedic actor, Jesse Blemons, or especially in that role. Just the creepy that stares, yeah, that was, that was really funny, and really, really quite, um, hilarious, yeah, so the script is great, got some great comedy, you know, great dialogue, it's, it's very sharp, and the pacing was, mwah, mwah, just great, you know, uh, I love the first scene where, that shows the Rachel McAdams, Jason Bateman meeting each other, and then it goes into some cool transitions, blah, 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 it's funny, lots of funny things, and then it, you know, the film continues, gets on, it's, uh, the main story of the film, uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna spoil this, just cause, I've spoiled, like, the past two films I've talked about, <laughs> uh, so if you're still listening to, you know, the review of this, I really recommend this, I'm, I'm still not gonna spoil it, uh, but I was gonna say it. yeah, so the shots, in the film, Right, Mwah. there are a bunch of creatively looking and creative shots that they do, and they manage to direct. And you know, really, my hats off go to John Francis and uh, John uh, John Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, because they managed to direct to direct and come up with a lot of creative uh, shots. Uh, and I assume the DP also helped them, the director of photography. But uh, you know my hats would go off to the directors and the and the DP just and all the crew. You know, what you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed. Uh, sorry about that. Really enjoyed a, uh, a lot of the creative shots and just added to the extra layer of enjoyment. And you know it it. There's a couple parts when it could have been a little sharper, but overall it was, it was very sharp and pacing was great and durable for the most part. Uh, it was great comedy action thriller i guess you'd call it a yeah, comedy thriller and a mystery mystery yeah mystery crime kind of comedy it's great for that oh, i could just i could just talk all day obviously i don't want to spoil but i could talk all day about some of these crazy shots and some really interestingly creative uh shots and sequences and action sequences that they do in this film there's a shot of the kind of car um on the, you know car driving but it's you know it looks exactly like a kind of a a video game when you, when the camera is attached in the stable position to where the camera to to behind the the car so it like moves with the car uh so the camera kind of moves with the car and i was like how do they how do they do that that's really cool i i I'd actually be really keen to watch the behind the scenes of this film. Just because there's a whole lot of stuff I would have... I would love to see how they did, uh, did it. But, uh, yeah, so there's also a scene... Oh, I'm just going on and on. But there's a scene where they they toss this kind of ball around. And the way they shoot that is really cool. and you know, it was a, It's like one long kind of take and they... Oh, it's just... Mwah, mwah, I can cream all over, uh, that sounded wrong. That sounded wrong. I can cream, you know. Ugh, stop saying cream. You know. I'm a, I can cream all day over some of these visuals and some of the sequences in the film. Uh, I really think you should go see it. I mean, again, don't go out of your way to go see it. But if you're looking for comedy, comic, thriller, crime, go see it. I recommend this film. Uh, <coughs> Alright, so yeah. That's the end of the uh, the gist of the oh, that's the end of the, the main content of this podcast and the end of the review of game night. And now I'm just gonna uh, take a few minutes to uh, comments address, you know what what this podcast is really about. I obviously I talked about uh, talked a lot at the start about what this was. Yeah, you know, I want to talk about film and filmmaking. Uh, I'll talk, each episode, watch kind of a classic. And I want to address that for a second. When I say a classic, most of the time it will be a classic. But some other times I might mix it up a little bit. And I do really want to do this. And instead of a classic, you might not actually call them classics. But uh, yeah, most of the time classic or kind of a critically acclaimed or very famously interesting film that I will watch for the first time. So it'll be something that I haven't seen before and I watch it for the first time and then talk about it. But it won't always be a classic. And when I say won't always be a classic, it'll be, maybe, be something like The Lord of the Rings trilogy. And you might call that classic, but some people don't. And so, yeah, so I've never seen that. Uh, one one episode I might do some Lord of the Rings films and then one episode I might do a film like under the skin. That's right, under the skin. I've never seen that before. So I'll, I might uh, discuss that, and obviously that's not considered a classic, so I can't call it a classic. But uh, it's films like that. Most of the time it will be classics, but you know, sometimes it might be something else, or it could be, say, oh, what was I going to say? Or it could even be a so bad it's good film, or it could even be a series of franchise films say i've always wanted to watch some of the friday the 13th films never seen any of those some of, i might watch a few of those and then some of the bad ones to talk about much of those uh it really just depends on kind of you know what i'm feeling what i w- kind of want to do and what i've watched recently to the recording kind of depends if i do end up getting a small following on this podcast i'd love some input as to what i should be watching or what I should watch next, definitely, obviously I don't have any following yet, so I'll just leave it to what I kind of want to talk about, uh, then there's the filmmaking portion of the podcast, uh, most episodes will not discuss that, it's just this one, uh, I did originally want to have filmmaking every single, talk about the filmmaking every single time, but I don't have enough experiences to talk about. So it'll just be some of the time I when I has an experience to talk about I will discuss. Uh, or or just kind of a topic on filmmaking that I, I want to discuss. It really just depends on what I decide. And again, if I have a following, I'd love some input. And then <clears throat> like as again sorry, again if I get a following, um, I'd love to do some Q and A. But for now, I'll just do other small quick reviews on some you know some other films, some some quickies but I can't call it quickies because that's the name of YMS's, I may have reviews, I'll just call them some quick reviews, uh, you know, whatever. And sometimes it might be another topic I talk about yeah, various other things. Like I said, it just depends on what I'm feeling. And a couple of other things I want to address. Like I said, this is my first podcast ever. So there's going to be a lot of issues, you know, and it's not going to be very good at all. I've, I have some issues with my, you know, communication talking. I repeat myself a lot of time. Uh, I mispronounce words a lot of the time. There's lots of things like that, and I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. And this might not even, and this might not, be a very good podcast at all. But the thing is, I've wanted to do a podcast, for, you know, a couple of years now, and finally. I'm starting one and obviously I know that I'm not going to be very good at it and I'm probably not going to be very good at it for a very long time but the only way I can ever actually get good at you know doing podcasts or things like that is to do them I gotta do them I gotta start somewhere you gotta start somewhere and you know make mistakes you know get some feedback get some criticism that's some that's the other thing if you want to comment some criticism on um, whatever you're watching this feel free to I love some criticism and some feedback uh, so yeah get some criticism get some feedback and then learn from those mistakes learn from that feedback criticism and try to make it better and that's hopefully what this kind of podcast will be like I'll, I'll learn to get better but for now uh, I hope you enjoyed it uh, I hope you keep listening this see how I can, you know, improve on my podcasting skills, but, uh, for now, it's just, it's just gonna be me doing it, you know, hopefully, I, I will, and I think I will, I will improve in the future, and uh, hopefully, each episode, I'll improve, but, uh, it's just gonna depend on, you know, if I do, uh, well, I will, I will improve, and improve just because I'll I'll know what works and what doesn't, various other things. But some feedback, some criticism, and uh, the comments will help me a lot to improve uh, more efficiently. So if you could do that, that'd be great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for enjoying. Uh, hopefully, if you did enjoy this, hopefully, hopefully, if you did enjoy this podcast, um, yeah. Ho- thanks for enjoying it. Uh my links for youtube channel and some social media will be down in the description i'll link my youtube channel which i'll hopefully start start uploading more on there and i'll upload uh this podcast on there as well i'll link you know instagram my twitter which uh you can send some you know questions send some questions and to me, if, if if you are listening to this, and you do have a volume, send some questions uh, to me on Twitter for the podcast to answer. I will hopefully set up some social media accounts for the podcast in maybe the, the next couple of weeks. Some some like accounts specifically for the podcast. I'll do that. And as for where this podcast is going up, you're probably either listening to this on. Uh, YouTube or SoundCloud at the moment, and that's because those are the only two real big options I have at the moment, eventually in maybe the next uh couple episodes I do, maybe a, like the third or fourth episode I'll try get it onto the iTunes uh, podcast or, or whatever it's called, just because I know that's where a lot of podcasts are kind of, you know f- discovered and found and that's where I listen to my podcast, so I'd love it for the podcast to be on there. That'd be that'd be great. So hopefully I don't I'm not sure of the process yet to getting the podcast on there. Hopefully it, it will in the next few weeks or so. I'll let you know when it does. Uh as we get on Spotify, yeah, it's that's gonna be a while away. Because I know even like just good and popular podcasts have a real hard time getting it on Spotify, so I'm going to leave that for now, but it should be on YouTube, SoundCloud, and I'm going to try get it onto Apple, iTunes podcast, uh, yeah, so, as I said, hope you enjoyed, thanks for listening, uh, see you next time, uh, next time I'll be talking about, uh, I think it's, Life of Brian, the Monty Python film, I watched that recently, I'm going to talk about that, that's a classic, so I'm going to talk about that, um, I don't think I have anything else to stress, to address um so i think i think that's it so yeah thanks for watching goodbye